Welcome once again to Center Left Radio, the progressive voice of hope, politics, and jazz. My name is Richard Gazer, and as always, I am pleased and I'm honored to be your host and your commentator for another of our commentary shows, one of the shows that we have up on air and online, and, and it's uh, it's an easy claim to make, given that we are uh, basically coming to you. We are listening to us right now as either a podcast or as what we call a radio loop, that being a, a version of this show running in a continuous loop on a separate computer here in the studio and uh, that you pick up at whatever point in the loop uh, you happen to pick it up at uh, when you hit the second link on our homepage, where's that? Well, you probably know that too. www. I'll try that again. www.centerlefttalkradio. One word. Centerlefttalkradio.com. Um, it, it 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 would be not hard. It would be impossible not to be focusing today on uh, on what happened yesterday. Uh, the final session, the final public session, I believe it was the final session period of the uh, House January 6th investigation committee. And what they did that was fascinating uh, was to lay out basically the, the summary statement of what it was Donald had done and the four reasons, the four basis, the four uh, uh, referrals, the basis for the four referrals, the four criminal referrals uh, concerning Donald and his uh, chicanery. Well, it's not really chicanery. It's a lot more serious than that. Uh, his, his, uh, his attempts to defraud the country, to lie to Congress, et cetera, et cetera. It's laid out in four specific counts. But more than that was the information that was included in the opening uh, of the, I, I suppose it's, I don't know how many, is it about 150 pages or somewhere between 100 and 150 pages long. It's a summary of the larger findings document, uh, which is the full committee report. But this is the summary statement. Uh, and it came out yesterday, virtually immediately. I think it was uh, it, it was out while the um, is either immediately after or even during the actual uh, uh, meeting of the committee yesterday. And, and what it, yesterday was not a hearing in the sense that there were witnesses called or, or witness recorded witness testimony was consciously being presented to, to further the case that had already been made or was to build on the case being made by committee of the committee members. Yesterday was more in the way of a summation of what had been done, a statement of what was now moving on towards the Justice Department, and a, uh, an exhortation, if you will, uh, to the Justice Department to basically f make justice, serve the ends of justice by prosecuting the guy who was behind the entire thing, Donald, essentially. Now, 
the, the four counts that they put out read on their own and 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 honestly Jamie Raskin uh, Jamie Raskin uh, really did a, an extremely good job of not only laying out the four counts the fraud the conspiracy the lying and everything else but but trying to connect them to trumpian behavior he did a great job on that but, but as I began and as I have read through uh, elements of the, at least the summary report, the, the report preceding the report of the January 6th committee, I find that the, uh, towards the beginning, there's a, there's a series of about 15 or 16 paragraphs that lay out the entire damned, ugly Trump generated thing in as close to compressed detail as it tells the story as I've not seen anyone else do so. And quite honestly, I, I, I'd like to, for both the record and for posterity, and given that we've done somewhere in the range of about 780 of these shows so far, over five plus years, I'd like to have this information included for the record on one of these shows. And I'm going to read from the report so that you can appreciate, I hope you can appreciate, the, the level of precision and, and, the, and the, the flow of the storyline, the continuity of action of Donald and others in their effort basically to keep him in power at all costs. I heard a, uh, an interesting retake on the, uh, the acronym used to define Donald. And I, and I believe this came from John Heilman. Uh, now, whether it was original to his thinking, I don't know. But he referred to Donald, you know how they, they that the, the, the president of the United States is typically referred to as POTUS, which is like we, we call the Supreme Court, the SCOTUS in the Supreme Court of the United States, president of the United States, P-O-T-U-S, POTUS. Well, Heilman suggested yesterday that we make an exception in this reference, which is used basically for all presidents, past and, and, you know, past and present, that for Donald, we make a little change, and we begin calling him GOTUS, G-O-T-U-S, grifter of the United States. And, 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 and it's perfect. It's a perfect statement of what basically Donald was attempting to do once he realized, that once he knew, that there was no way in hell he could win the election. Therefore, he was going to not only hold on to power by any means necessary, but he was going to make a whole bunch of money off of his followers, followers while he was at it. One way or the other, it was going to hit his pockets. And, 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 and this is so much of the story of this guy. It's his life story, quite honestly. And... It comes out. You, you can see it working out. You can see the power and the money and at any cost, uh, that attitude. You see it and you sense it as you go through this summary, which I'm going to read to you right now. Let me, uh, let me pull this up over here. 
and uh, it, it, it goes under something called a uh, select committee of, to investigate the January 6th attack on the U.S. Capitol, introductory material to the final report of the select committee. And it goes on, and I'm going to be picking this up. There are a series of how many? There are 17 paragraphs. So it's going to take a little while to read this, but I, but I, but I really feel that it's critical that you, our listeners, and that I, your commentator, have this out there, laid out there, for people to listen to and understand. Listen to the, listen to the flow of this. Understand what this has been all about. This says it as good as anything I've come across. I'm going to start at sort of a, a midpoint in the early segment of the report. And uh, it, it says, this report supplies an immense volume of information and testimony assembled through the select committee's investigation, including information obtained following litigation in federal district and appellate courts, as well as in the Supreme Court. Based on this assembled evidence, the committee has reached a series of specific findings, including the following. These are the facts. This is not the referral. This is not the grounds for referral. These are not the statutes. These are the facts that committee has discerned through thousands of, of, of interviews and millions of do pages of documentation and months and months of diligent work not just obviously by the committee members, but by uh, a large and more than capable staff. So, this is what you need to know to understand what happened before, during, and after January 6th and why Donald Trump must be prosecuted for crimes. Here goes. Here are the specific findings of the committee. One, beginning election night and continuing through January 6th and thereafter, Donald Trump purposely disseminated false allegations of fraud related to the 2020 presidential election in order to aid his effort to overturn the election and for purposes of soliciting contributions. Right up front! It's about money. It's about power and money. These false claims provoked his supporters to violence on January 6th. Two, knowing that he and his supporters had lost dozens of electrical election lawsuits, I believe there were 61 or 63, lost them all, lost them all. And despite his own senior advisors refuting his election fraud claims and urging him to concede his election loss, Donald Trump refused to accept the lawful results of the 2020 election. Rather than honor his constitutional obligation to, quote, take care that the laws be faithfully executed, close quote, President Trump instead plotted to overturn the election outcome. Three. Despite knowing that such an action would be illegal and that no state had or would submit an altered electoral slate, Donald Trump corruptly pressured Vice President Mike Pence to refuse to count electoral votes during Congress's joint session on January 6th. Four, Donald Trump sought to corrupt the U.S. Department of Justice 
by attempting to enlist department officials to make purposely false statements and thereby aid his effort to overturn the presidential election. After that effort failed, Donald offered the position of acting attorney general to Jeff Clark, knowing that Clark intended to disseminate false information aimed at overturning the election, knowing it. Five, without any evidentiary basis and contrary to state and federal law, Donald Trump unlawfully pressured state officials and legislators to change the results of the election in their states. Six, Donald Trump oversaw an effort to obtain and transmit false electoral certificates to Congress and the National Archives. Seven, Donald Trump pressured members of Congress to object to valid slates of electors from several states. Are you keeping up with all this? And this is all, this is all proved factually. There's evidence on every single bit of this wanted to put out the false slates, pressuring members of Congress to accept the invalid false electoral slates. Eight, Donald Trump purposely verified false information filed in federal court. That, that on its face straight out there, uh, f- filing of false information, that is specifically one of the, uh, one of the referral counts uh, to, the Department of, to the Department of Justice. But We move on. Nine, based on false allegations that the election was stolen, (coughs) Donald Trump summoned summoned tens of thousands of supporters to Washington, D.C. for January 6th. Come on down, it's going to be wild. I forget exactly. You've seen seen the, uh, the tweet that did this. Although these supporters were angry and some were armed, Donald instructed them to march to the Capitol on January 6th to take back, quote, their country. 10, knowing that a violent attack on the Capitol was underway and knowing that his words would incite further violence, Donald Trump purposely sent a social media publicly condemning Vice President Mike Pence at 2.24 p.m. on January 6th. Okay, that was just after the Capitol had actually been breached. Donald is watching this on television with you and I and everybody else. 11, knowing that violence was underway at the Capitol and despite his duty to ensure that the laws are faithfully executed, Donald Trump repeated, uh, refused repeated requests over a multiple-hour period that he instruct his violent supporters to disperse and leave the Capitol and instead watch the violent attack unfold on television. This failure to act perpetuated the violence at the Capitol and obstructed Congress's proceeding to count electoral votes. 12. Each of these actions by Donald Trump was taken in support of a multi-part conspiracy to overturn the lawful results of the 2020 presidential election. 13. The intelligence community and law enforcement agencies did successfully detect 
the planning for potential violence on January 6th, including planning specifically by the Proud Boys and Oath Keeper militia groups who ultimately led the attack on the Capitol. As January 6th approached, the intelligence specifically identified the potential for violence at the U.S. Capitol. This intelligence was shared within the executive branch, including with the Secret Service and the President's National Security Council. 14. Intelligence gathered in advance of January 6th did not support a conclusion that Antifa or other left-wing groups would likely engage in a violent counter-demonstration or attack Trump supporters on January 6th. Indeed, intelligence from January 5th indicated that some left-wing groups were instructing their members to, quote, stay at home and not attend January 6th. Ultimately, none of these left-wing groups was involved to any material extent with the, ex with the attack on the Capitol on January 6th. 15. Neither the intelligence community nor law enforcement obtained intelligence in advance of January 6th on the full extent of the ongoing planning by President Trump, John Eastman, Rudolph Giuliani, and their associates to overturn the certified election results. Such agencies apparently did not, and apparently could not, anticipate the provocation President Trump would offer the crowd in his ellipse speech, that President Trump would spontaneously instruct the crowd to march to the Capitol, that President Trump would exacerbate the violent riot by sending his 2.24 p.m. tweet condemning Vice President Pence or the full scale of the violence and the lawlessness that would ensue. They could not have known this because they would have had to have known much of what Donald was about to do in order to anticipate this. Nor did law enforcement anticipate that President, Trump, that President Trump would refuse to direct his supporters to leave the Capitol once the violence began. No intelligence community advance analysis predicted exactly how President Trump would behave. No such analysis recognized the full scale and extent of the threat to the Capitol on January 6th. And I'm going to pause here for a second. One of the things I was so aware of as I was watching all of this unfold on TV was the absence for, ex for obviously, a, a, an extended period of time. It was a, there were 187 minutes that Donald Trump remained silent. I think there was one tweet within that 187 minutes where he said, uh, be respectful of, of the Capitol Police. Never, ever said to leave, never said to stop, never said that this was wrong, never said anything. Uh, be, be, uh, obey, the obey the Capitol Police. That's as far as he would go. This, was, this is Donald's, uh, you know, uh, I've been to court too many times and I know that I have to throw something out there that basically I may use later on when, I'm, when I finally find myself in court over this. That, you'll hear about that at some point, I'm sure, in the future. But in any event, there was nothing out there that would have suggested what would what was going to happen you, you as i watched that unfold as you watched that unfold wasn't your sense where are the people that were supposed to be there 
and it it, it winds up, and it's re, and it's and it's it's documented that there was not only a concerted effort to to stop the count, to basically defraud the American public, to take the election back by force. But apparently enough measures had been taken and enough non-information given and a a lack of warning given to the proper authorities that no one was preparing to go to the Capitol and go ahead and stop what ultimately turned into the violence that took place there. This was, uh, the, the official channels that should have facilitated this were blocked, were, were clogged. None of this was, was going, this, one way or the other, Trump and his allies were going to have their effing riot. Plain and simple. There, that, that's all this was about finding a way to make sure this mob got in there and stopped the proceedings so that in Donald's mind, well, if you stop them on January 6th, and if it doesn't happen on January 6th, then uh, th- then I guess it just doesn't count. It's, it, it's, it's not a real, there's no real election here. Uh, it, it's completely a wild card situation, probably some cockamamie uh, component of John Eastman's weird theories about, uh, you know, what the election laws were and how they worked. Somehow, someone believed, or Donald believed, that if they they didn't do the count, if Mike Pence didn't verify it on January 6th, it was a wide open, uh, a wide open arena, and Donald could come in and claim to take over power. Uh, Think of how nuts that thought process is, and, and, and just plug that into the behavior and lack of leadership an utter dereliction of duty that Donald Trump demonstrated on that day, and especially during the 187 minutes when he and he alone could have stopped this process. I I return back now to the reading of the summary. We're at paragraph 16. Hundreds of Capitol and D.C. Metropolitan Police officers performed their duties bravely on January 6th, and America owes those... um, owes those individuals immense gratitude for their courage in the defense of Congress and our Constitution. Without their bravery, January 6th would have been far worse. Although certain members of the Capitol Police leadership regarded their approach to January 6th as all hands on deck, the the Capitol Police leadership did not have sufficient assets in place to address the violent and lawless crowd. Capitol Police leadership did not anticipate the scale of the violence that would ensue after President Trump instructed tens of thousands of his supporters in the Ellipse crowd to march to the Capitol and then tweeted at 2.24 p.m. Although Chief Stephen Sun raised the idea of National Guard support, the Capitol Police Board did not request Guard assistance prior to January 6th. The Metropolitan Police took an even more proactive approach to January 6th and deployed roughly 800 officers, including responding to the emergency calls for help at the Capitol. Rioters still managed to break their line in certain locations when the crowd surged forward in the immediate aftermath of Donald Trump's 224 tweet. That keeps getting repeated and repeated again, and it's so obvious what its function was in terms of the day. 
The Department of Justice readied a group of federal agents at Quantico and in the District of Columbia, anticipating that January 6th could become violent, and then deployed those agents once it became clear that police at the Capitol were overwhelmed. Agents of the Home, uh, Department of Homeland Security were also deployed to assist. 17. President Trump had authority and responsibility to direct deployment uh, to, to direct deployment of National Guard in the District of Columbia, but never gave any order to deploy the National Guard on January 6th or on any other day. Nor did he instruct any federal law enforcement agency to assist, because the authority to deploy the National Guard had been delegated to the Department of Defense. The Secretary of Defense could and ultimately did deploy the Guard. Although evidence identifies a, a likely miscommunication between members of the civilian leadership in the Department of Fe Defense impacting the timing of deployment, the committee has found no evidence that the Department of Defense intentionally de delayed de deployment of the National Guard. The Select Committee recognized that some of the department had genuine concerns counseling caution that President Trump might give an illegal order to use the military in support of his efforts to overturn the election, which would be a very reasonable concern if you are going out there and suddenly find yourself, once you've been out there and you're deployed, suddenly the president comes out with an order while the National Guard is out there saying, you will now uh, stop the proceedings or do something along those lines. Now, for what it's worth, and again, I, I, I wanted to read that out. The, the, it, it's a compelling storyline. People have to have to understand something about this. Um, most Trump supporters, and if you if you do the numbers, there are still somewhere in the area of probably anywhere from a quarter to a third of the electorate that basically uh, is in, at some level of commitment supportive of Donald or maybe supportive of the lie. Basically would, are tolerant, anywhere from tolerant to madly, insanely devoted to Donald. In the history of this country, and I've heard this, and I've read this, and I've been taught this uh, uh, over the course of my education. We have in our liberal democracy, at any given moment, somewhere between a quarter and a third of the population that is adverse to the, on a systemic level, that basically is it, at some level uh, belly aching and angry and grievance driven and, and would probably, if they could, verbalize the notion of taking it all down and taking it all apart. This would seem to be a grave and grievous threat to the continuation of any liberal democracy, any constitutional order. And I suppose on its face, yes, it is. But you see, in America, and especially, uh, let's say, uh, since, uh, I would say since the First World War, these anarchistic 
groups, these people willing to take it all down, this, this one quarter to one third of the population, has by virtue of how uh, presidents and people and authority have functioned, it's always been kept under rocks. It, it's, it's always been kept in a, th th this population has never had direct authority or at least authority raising, rising to the level of, 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 of presidential force, certainly not. And they've never really been, uh, they've never been encouraged to unify around any figure of authority, no figure of authority, no elected member of, of, of government would want to be perceived as a rallying point for people willing to destroy the country, take down, well, and, and, and by destroy the country, I mean basically overrule the Constitution, take down an electoral process, essentially destroy the levers of government, take, just get rid of the normal processes of government. No, no uh, elected official has ever encouraged that kind of behavior around them and, and, and basically had any kind of impact on the, uh, on the national population and on the actions of government. So that, so that once again, Donald is this outlier, this absolutely never before experienced element within American society who finds himself incapable of getting reelected and so goes ahead and does what his gut dictates, in essence, does what he's done his entire professional, if one can use the word, career. Namely, take or rob or steal or somehow grift his way to that which he couldn't get by any other normal, decent, legal, reasonable, ethical process. The guy is a thief. He's a born thief. He, he just, it's just in him. His natural tendency is to grift, to lie, to steal, to delay, to, to obfuscate. Never, there is no, there, forgive me, but there isn't a moral shred of commitment in the man's body. He is brilliant at playing on the emotions of those who are otherwise uh, or, or imagine themselves to be uh, patriotically oriented. How many times in the last five or six years, and especially since Donald started running, uh, when he began running for president, I heard people, I overheard conversations like, no true patriot would ever allow uh, Hillary, you know, blah, blah, blah. a true patriot would have to have Donald and these are people, you know, running around wearing fatigues or something and talking about their gun. Okay, whatever. But, but Donald was able to play on or play off of this innate sense of patriotism. So if you were to ask the people who are still supportive of him, they would probably describe themselves as patriotic. And, and in order to somehow merge their innate sense of patriotism with the illegal actions being done and promoted by Donald, 
You have to you have to have a an incredibly convincing mechanism. You have to have an incredibly convincing well, leader is the wrong word, but 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 basically stoker of their emotions out there ha- with willing and able to basically get them to focus on him and to use what is happening, what he alleges to be happening to him, as the equivalent of their country being taken down, the antithesis of the reality. You have to, it, and, and this is why it can be embraced so, 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 so vehemently and so fervently by what remain of, of hardcore Donald supporters, because it is the antithesis of the factual reality. Looking at factual reality and listening to what Donald is saying, the chasm is so huge between the two that if you are prone to say, and if, Don, if you follow Donald's argument, it's all a witch hunt and they're just out to get me, well, it would stand to reason in its own weird way. It would stand to reason that what they're going to do is lie about what actually happened. They're lying. Of course they're lying, say the grievance-laden. That's what they always do. And Donald is able to get their loyalty, their dedication, their, their unquestioned, unquestioning support without them going any further to validate what is or is not true about what Donald is saying and therefore to validate the the appropriateness of his actions. His word is sufficient because it basically combines this, 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 uh, mantle of grievance which surrounds them all with an air of, 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 of vulnerability if we don't fight like hell. The, the, I've had so many people say, how, how could people be so dumb? Yes, they're dumb in, in one respect. But human psychology allows for this sort of thing. And, and it especially is true when, a, when somebody lacking all moral foundation and basis by dint of, 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 of historical anomaly finds themselves in a position of supreme authority and in this case, in the most powerful nation on earth. We are, we are facing all of this as elements of first impression. It's never happened this way before, not in America. And, and, and because of that, and I, and I, and I, and I find it strange to, to say this, this may just be the next necessary phase of figuring out what our democratic experiment is capable of handling. Can we live through someone at the top attempting to take it down? Is this, is this an inevitable, is, is this an ultimate, perhaps, the ultimate test of the validity of the American experiment? 
Uh, now, you, you, you can, well, now, wait a minute. No, wasn't there the Civil War? Yeah. Well, yes, okay. Uh, the Civil War was there. It was largely over slavery. It was an economic, it was two, two uh, sections of the country that had been at uh, political and cultural odds. The agrarian South, the increasingly manufacturing-based North, uh, basically, uh, and, 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 and they had a moral issue that divided them. But even with that, uh, Abraham Lincoln became president uh, in 1860, and uh, then the southern states, as a block, decided that they were basically going to secede. We are no longer going to be part of this. We're going to form the Confederate States of America. We are no longer a part of you. Was that... That, that, of course, basically, uh, it, it tore us apart. They, it, was a, it was a declared separation. And it was based on uh, differences that were profound within the country at that time and that were not resolved. Slavery being, uh, being the most obvious manifestation of otherwise cultural and lifestyle differences within the country. We don't have that right now. We, 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 don't have, we, we don't have that level, what certainly that would exist, what existed in 1860 or leading up to 1860. We don't have that, that, those elements in place sufficiently. We, don't, we know people, all of us know people who embrace Donald. I know family members who embrace Donald. I know enough of their backgrounds to understand the grievance the, or the, the propensity to respond to a message of grievance that would allow them to embrace a Donald. I know all of this, but it's not as though they're living in an agrarian society and I am living in some totally different society. They live within a few miles of me. And we all live relatively similar lives. We have different social circles, obviously. We listen, we listen to different social media, different, different uh, uh, broadcasts and, and cable media, certainly read different publications if they read. Uh, you know, this, this is not that. You can only have this level of willful separation when a Svengali-ish type reaches the point of ultimate power within, a, an, within an otherwise uh, liberal democracy. We saw this with Hitler. We saw this with Mussolini. We saw this with Franco in the 20th century. These people were all legally elected by the people and then went utterly astray. Trump basically, his, his, his capacity for grifting being unlimited, his ability to, to wring money out of people and then declare his own uh, uh, wealth and power as a result of that has never really been challenged completely. He's always gotten away with it. Now, he faces four criminal counts, four criminal referrals to the Department of Justice, all related 
to his effort to overturn the lawful results of the 2020 election. If you are a Trump supporter, you have to somehow find a way to say, no, but it was all false. You cannot look, do not look at the 61 lawsuits that were lost, that were not even, none of them even actually went, as far as I, I don't believe, any of them actually ever even went to trial. They ended during the opening statements of, of what would have been trials with the, to the effect, basically, the defense would say, Your Honor, we're being accused here by, uh, by Giuliani and other lawyers on behalf of Donald Trump that there has been huge fraud, blah, 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 blah. We have no evidence whatsoever. We make a motion to dismiss based on lack of material evidence supporting plaintiff's claims. The judge would turn and say, okay, plaintiffs, where is your evidence? I have not, the court has not seen this. And Rudy Giuliani or Eastman or someone else would turn around and say, well, actually, uh, no, we, 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 we don't have any of that. What? You are taking up court time, blah, blah, blah. Three times the same issue came up before the Supreme Court in various guises in order to facilitate the ongoing challenges primarily to the, to the swing states. Three times the Supreme Court refused to even look at the matter, knowing full well that if it ever got to a point where it had to vote on it, there'd be some assholes there like Clarence Thomas and maybe a few others who would actually vote in favor of Donald and would prove that they were essentially part of a conspiracy as well. The Supreme Court wisely avoided even going near these bullshit cases. 61 cases at a minimum all turned away every single legal challenge that could have been made every single person, every person in authority and every one of the, of the uh, swing states affecting the election, everyone turning and saying, no, this was fair, this was not a sham, there is no fraud, there is no basis for this. And this was shown again and again by the January 6th committee. How can anyone, how can any Trumpian well, I, here are the operative words. Knowing this, <laughs> still say Donald won. Well, that's the point. Somehow, they don't know this. They, and, and if they do know it, it will, of course, be instantly written off because Donald will tell them it's all a lie. Now, how 61 lawsuits are a lie, how, how you even can say those words, 61 results from 61 separate courts have said there ain't no there there nothing happened there ain't no there ain't nothing wrong there's no fraud so either you have to be instructed by Donald that the courts were all in cahoots that means that in those courts, there were something like 15, someone counted, there were like 15 or 30 uh, judges who had actually been uh, appointed by Trump, not to mention the three justices on the Supreme Court. They were in there. And somehow, they all managed to come to the same conclusion. There ain't nothing there. This was a fair election. Donald, you're lying. There's nowhere else to go with this. And yet, a quarter to a third of the country is still willing to embrace this man right now. And so, and so I ask you, 
what happens when he is indicted? Now, we, we're hearing... We're hearing stories to the effect that uh, don't be, uh, you know, don't be uh, fooled by those numbers. His support is waning. These are people that, when asked if they support Trump, will say they support him. But it's not there. It's really shifting towards DeSantis. DeSantis, who has the the personality of a scorpion, and basically is now in the verge of trying to go ahead and start hearings in the state of Florida to investigate the development of the COVID drugs that were given there. And, 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 he's, and, and this is what he would continue going forward, and this is what he'll be running on in a presidential campaign. I mean, no, this isn't going to work any more than the Republicans got what they should have gotten in the midterm. They basically, yes, they got the House, but they should have gotten it with 65 seats, not with four. They didn't get the Senate. They should have gotten it. It, it, it should have been an, oh, a massive swing towards Republicans in the midterms. That's what history tells us should happen in normal times. These aren't. Now, I don't know what's going to happen exactly when Donald gets indicted, tried, convicted, and incarcerated. But it's going to happen. And once their fearless leader is ultimately shown to be a crook, a judged a crook, or, or, or well before, once he's actually on a witness stand and he tries to take, and he'll take the Fifth Amendment or refuse to answer, and suddenly he is basically uh, ripped to shreds by a court or a jury. And, and of course, the, the, again, the low-hanging fruit, of course, will be, we're, we're, I'm, I'm talking about here, the difficulty of, uh, of, 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 a, of, a, uh, of a January 6th trial where there, of course, will be an effort to say he didn't really know he'd lost. He didn't really understand what he was doing. That's going to be insane enough to try to make that argument. But if we're talking about a case brought based on the Mar-a-Lago secret, secret documents or the attempt to influence the election in the state of Georgia with the telephone call that's right there to Brad Raffensperger, the, this is low-hanging fruit. You add to that all of the information that was developed during the Mueller investigation, the 10 counts, the 10 criminal counts that are sitting there based on what he did during his own prior election in 2016, the activity with the Russians and the people associated with Trump and the Russians. You add to that the fact that this is the only president in history to be impeached twice, you add to that the fact that he has done nothing but lose elections ever since the one he won. It's, it's contradictions on top of contradictions. So I, I don't know what's going to happen or what the first indictment will be or when, <clears throat> when, when DOJ will ultimately begin prosecuting based on January 6th specifically activity. Like I say, Mar-a-Lago is the easy one. The question for American democracy is going to be how his devoted sycophants will react to his ultimate and absolute demise. Will they return 
metaphorically under the rock where they were, not having Donald to basically facilitate their claim on power, their ability to affect public opinion, their, their noise factor essentially getting decent people scared. Not being able to do that with the strength they did with Donald still out there. Will they simply go for one last hurrah or, or several last hurrahs? What will happen? And at the end of it all, however long the end of it takes to play out, will we still be a functional democracy? Now, our courts, as it winds up, have been the, the bulwark holding all this up. Our, our, our federal legislature and many of our state legislatures have been shit. I mean, they've been horrible. They basically facilitated the worst behavior and some of the worst activities, although many of the worst people that could have been elected were not elected because of the extreme nature of their positions relative to Donald, their willingness to basically overturn elections. Much of that was fought and fought successfully. But what will happen, or will anything happen, once Donald is indicted, arrested, tried, and convicted? How will all of this play out? I don't know. Stuff will happen. Or to put it more colloquially, I assume shit will happen. But what kind of shit? I don't know. I don't think that many Trump supporters know. I think many of them would like to imagine that there will be some kind of organized resistance, but the Oath Keepers and the Proud Boys, well, their management uh, basically has been taken off the playing field. So, but there are other forces out there. There are some within our own Congress. There are people outside of the United States who would like nothing better than to see something like this continue. Watch, watch the divisions continue. But our courts, our courts have been the backbone. They've been, they've been the bedrock. They've basically held up and sustained the proper functioning of government and the proper playing out of the electoral process. It's, it seems hard to imagine. The thing that everybody was fighting, yeah, we got to appoint federal judge, we got to go, blah, 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 blah. And that should have changed everything, right? No, it didn't. And when Donald is indicted and basically tried and convicted and sentenced, it will be the courts again that will have the last word in doing this. I, 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 uh, it gives me hope. It gives me hope that the, the illusions and delusions of the Trumpian sycophants at this point, however, however enlarged and engorged their, their sense of self-importance is, however unjustified it may be based on the bullshit that Donald has put out there, that somehow taking him off the playing field will not have the ultimate effect, the worst-case scenario effect, certainly from the perspective of sustaining the republic as we know it. 
that their, that their constant uh, repeating of Donald say that, that the only thing that stands between us and the destruction of America is me and, I, and, and I've been taken, I've been unjustly refused the presidency, blah, 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 whatever the case may be. Or maybe it'll just turn into a typical American thing and people will get tired of the Donald show, finally. There seems to be some evidence of that also. I, I, I don't know. I know that the courts are going to have to continue to play a major role. I am, I am sick to death of what the Supreme Court did in Roe v. Wade, but the point is, by doing and voting Roe v. Wade, that was in large measure what kept the Republicans from having the type of midterm they should have had. It basically destroyed their, their chances of taking over government completely. And with a four-seat majority, four seats could swing either way, uh, this could turn into a very curious... I mean, the new Congress is going to be so different from the old, obviously. Uh, it, <laughs> it's, going to be, it's going to be a shouting... It's going to be a stupid, a stupid match. It'll just be, it'll be stupid time. You're going to have Jim, 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 uh, whatever his name is, uh, Johnson's and, 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 and what Marjorie Taylor Greene is going to be a major committee positions and all of the, I mean, and it's just all going to be stupidity and God knows what they're going to investigate. And they're, they're talking about investigating the January 6th committee people. And it, it's, it's stupidity, getting nothing done. Bold, attempting to balderize the efforts and the results of perhaps the single best congressional committee in the history of this country. Perhaps the Watergate Commission gets up there pretty close as well. Fascinating. We, we seem to rise to that level when a difficult, unprecedented situation happens, investigating a president. And... Here we are. Where will we be six months from now? It'll be someplace different. But I, I, I have to believe that uh, we stand a good chance, even with all of this, all of this madness, that somehow uh, the American experiment, the great democracy experiment that we've been running for 240-something years, will continue. And frankly, if we get through this, and I believe we will, if we do, when we do, we will be all the stronger for it. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. Thank you, Stephen Sondheim, West Side Story. There's a thought. There is a thought. We'll be that much stronger. A little jazz.
This is Richard Gazer. You know, it takes lots of time and effort and all kinds of resources to produce the kind of quality program we produce here at Center Left Radio. And it costs money to do it. Now, if we screamed a little louder or thought a little less about what we were saying, we could probably get a few advertisers to pay us to sell their products to a more tribally predictable audience. But that's not who we are or who you are. You come to Center Left Radio for non-commercial, thoughtful commentary. You're looking for an honest, progressive approach to solving America's problems, not exacerbating them. And we're committed to providing all of that. We're one of the few stations offering full-time, non-commercial, progressive programming. And we're the only station, the only one, doing it with a combination of hope, politics, and that most eloquent of all original American art forms, jazz. Think of it this way. We support your needs. Now we're asking you to support ours. Take a moment and go to our website, www.centerlefttalkradio, one word, centerlefttalkradio.com, and go to the donate page. And when you get there, give whatever you can. On a one-time or maybe a recurring basis, whatever you can contribute to make center-left radio's unique progressive voice stronger and even more significant as the full extent of the wrongdoing of Donald Trump and his associates becomes all the more evident and as we seek to hold the House Democrats accountable for the promises they made to the American people during the last election. Yeah, you know what's at stake. And I know, we all know, we can count on you. On behalf of all of us at Center Left Radio, thank you. You've been listening to Center Left Radio, the progressive voice of hope, politics, and jazz. My name is Richard Gazer, and thank you once again for being part of today's show. The January 6th committee has at least issued its its preliminary report and made four referrals to the Department of Justice for criminal prosecution of Donald Trump. When those criminal prosecutions or any of the others that are out there finally begin to happen, what is going to take place? Our justice system seems to have a handle on it. And I believe that many of the Trump supporters will be back under rocks where they belong.